You're, You're listening, listening to, to the Mountain, Mountain Woman, Woman Radio Show, which can you be found on our website every week. at treyerwilderness.com and, and also you to join on us iTunes. at treyerwilderness.com. And be sure to connect with us on iTunes. Remember, your reviews on iTunes are very important to us and help us reach more people just like you. Welcome to the Mountain Woman Radio Show, where we are homesteading traditionally 100% off-grid today and offering preparedness and survival tips for tomorrow. Here's your host, Tammy Treyer. Welcome, everyone. So glad you could join me here on Mountain Woman Radio. I've been sharing with you over the last couple episodes that I have some guests coming your way, and today is one of those days. I am so very excited to have my dear, dear friend Melissa Norris joining me. And for those of you that are not familiar with her, she is a fifth-generation homesteader who lives in Washington State and helps people use modern homesteading to grow, preserve, and cook their own organic food no matter where they live. She and her husband and their two kids raise 100% of their own meat and over 60% of their own fruits and vegetables a year. That's a huge undertaking, but she makes it so easy, and that's what we're going to talk about today. She's also the author of The Made from Scratch Life, Handmade, and her new book, The Family Garden Plan. So without further ado, I'm just going to get Melissa on here, and we can start sharing her and all that she's got going on. Good morning, Melissa. Good morning, Tammy. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure, and it is long overdue. It has been quite a while since, yeah, I was thinking that I, I'm scared to even count back the number of years, but I'm super excited to get to catch up with you. I know, exactly, exactly, and I'm so excited for Melissa. Melissa... Melissa and I were doing a lot together and individually uh, back when I got sick. And when I got sick, I just got to sit back and watch this girl leave fiery streaks behind herself. It has just been amazing to see the progress and all the amazing things she has done over the last three years. So I'm going to ask her to share a little bit about share a little bit about yourself and, and what all you've been doing and, and what you have to offer. Yeah, goodness. We've, we've been doing a lot, but I want to preface that even though now, because you just heard that we raise 100% of our meat, we raise over 60% of our own fruits and vegetables, and that sounds like a lot, but we didn't start out there. And I, feel like, I think it's always really important for people to understand that when we first started, when we first got married, which was 27 years ago as a newlywed, <laughs> we just started out with raising a vegetable garden. And in the vegetable garden, the only thing that I raised at, that would take us through an entire year, so enough obviously for fresh eating and then preserving, because I am in Washington State, and so my growing season of warm weather crops is about 150 days, so about mid-May to about mid-September, depending on the year, maybe the first of October, um, so then everything is, you know, cut short as far as what we typically think of in a regular summer annual vegetable garden. So that first year that, that we were married, we raised enough green 
year and Cam goes up. And that was kind of how I was raised. Now, my dad, when I was growing up, we always raised our own beef. And so we never bought beef from the store. And primarily, that's what we had to eat was vegetables. I'm always canned enough green beans. So I knew approximately how many green beans to grow and to can up to take a family. And at that time, it was just my husband and I. But kind of approximately how many to take us through a whole year because I was lucky enough to have that mirrored for me and to be brought up in that. <laughs> but aside from, like, blackberries and jam and jelly, jam and jelly weren't something that my mom bought from the store either. We have blackberries just they grow wild here. They're a actually considered a noxious sweet. They're so prolific. <laughs> but the least we produce fruit, so that's awesome. So my mom would always can up, you know, like applesauce and some fruit things like that. Um, and we had beef, but that was primarily what I grew up with knowing and not buying from the store. So that's where we started. So that's why I kind of wanted to preface and, and share with that is we just started with one thing that took us through a whole year, and it was green beans. And then, similar to Tammy, I started suffering from health issues. Now, very different, but I had stomach ulcers and GERD, and they were so severe that I was really thin. I mean, I was probably, oh my goodness, the thinnest I had ever been, and I was probably, I had size four pants that were falling (laughs) off my frame, and I'm five six, and so I'm not, I mean, I'm not itty bitty tiny, but that was like, I just couldn't eat. I mean, I was on prescription medications, six times a day, the maximum doses uh, to stop the acid production and then also as like a chemical band-aid to coat my stomach so that I could eat and I still couldn't eat. Like it really wasn't, um, it just wasn't, they weren't doing their job and it was really bad. So they sent me to a specialist and the specialist ordered a scope because after looking at everything that I was on and trying, um, he's like, "There's, there's really nothing that we can see that should be causing it to be this bad. So we need to go in and find out what's going in. So I went in and they ended up taking, when they did this endoscope, they ended up taking a biopsy of my upper stomach and my esophagus. And thankfully, those biopsies came back as benign, so I didn't have cancer, but they were showing quite a bit of erosion and they were showing cellular change. And cellular change, we don't want to see because obviously when those cells begin to change, most of the time they change towards cancerous. So that was kind of my my shift from doing what we were just doing, which at that time, like I said, was pretty much green beans for a whole year. We would grow other things to eat fresh, like, you know, the typical things you would see in a garden, zucchini and, you know, those types of things. But um, that was when we started raising our own meat, and we actually started out with grass-fed organic cattle. Nice. So we started raising our our own beef, because, again, I knew how to do that, because I'd grown up that way. Um, And then as I really began to research the our food and natural items and just ways to heal without the medicine because the specialist also told me I'm really grateful that the Lord put me in this specialist office because I don't think this happens often enough in in modern medical but he's like you have to get off these medications you've been on them way too long you (laughs) are on the max dose you're not supposed to be on them as long as you have you have to come off of them and I have to admit at the time I didn't have the best attitude. I'm like, dude, I would love to come off of these. I can't even function with them. And now you're telling me to to get off of them. Like I I was just very frustrated. I'm like, I don't see how this is going to happen. But (laughs) he gave me a list and he told me, he said, start with your food. He said, start with your food. And I'm like, at the time, I really thought that that I was eating a pretty clean or good (laughs) diet. You know, we weren't eating 
Dorito chips all the time and, you know, just all the, the things that I think we typically would think of, like we didn't, I wasn't buying Twinkies, you know, I, I felt like we were eating pretty good. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> no. <laughs> because there's so many things in our food these days, and even the way it's grown, if you're buying certain fruits and vegetables, yep. that until you begin to investigate and realize what's happening, yep. then I just didn't have any idea. So that's really the, the preface that led to us increasing the amount of food that we're growing to where we are right now because it was the only way one that i could afford the food that we needed to at the time um and two the only way some of it was even available i feel like in the past 10 years from when my journey really started in depth that we actually have a lot more like consumers have spoken yes and there's a lot more available that is good that is clean that you're not having to grow yourself that you can purchase in the stores that weren't even available 10 years ago. But of course, I'm a huge advocate of being able to grow and do it yourself because it's still, you're gonna have more nutrition when it's grown on the vine and you're picking it from home and obviously the cost. Yes, and you know know where it comes from. Yeah, Yeah. yes, and you know exactly how it's been grown, um, all the things, you have so much more control over it. So yeah, definitely a peace of mind. But I wanted to share that because that is, that's how we started and so every year I began adding in more and more of what we were raising and growing on our homestead until we've reached the, the point that we're at now and that's still my goal so every year I t- try to increase one other crop either grow a new crop or just increase it so it does take us through the entire year yeah. so it's always a gradual process and a, a, a journey yes. to get there yes and that's good that you shared that because you know a lot of people look at at us that are doing this and have you know really vast plans for our food and and what we grow and what we raise but they don't realize that it didn't happen overnight and and that's really important and it's good to be transparent like that because it's I feel it's necessary because that's what helps the average and the modern man to understand that it is doable and I have to agree with you you said about how there's so much more available today I was doing some work for the mountain boy this week with his school and just thinking back of all that the progression that we went through over the years with his autism and I and I know this is kind of off topic but at the same time what made me really think about things was his diet because that was something we had to change for him too was the gluten-free and dairy-free diet and thinking back then you know gosh he turned 23 two days ago it's so crazy (laughs) so so 23 years ago um you know he this gluten-free things weren't available you had to kind of investigate and make things up on your own and as you went so it is awesome that there are healthier options available to us today and I think that a lot of the stores are getting more involved in that because people aren't purchasing the pink slime and and the different things that are you know on the shelves they're they're seeking a healthier diet and a lot sadly are doing the same as we have and that is for health reasons because our food has been just destroying people's health. Yeah, and I don't think, honestly, I mean, even speaking for myself, like I said, I, I've had like 10 years where I've got to see it, yeah. and the more I see and experience the healing, then the deeper in that I go, it's like, it's like a rabbit hole, which is a great <laughs> rabbit hole to fall down. I highly recommend taking it <laughs> a plunge. But um, I would have, like, I would hear people, 
people say, you know, like, oh, you know, like food really is, you know, the base of your health, etc. Yep. And I really, until you go through it and experience it, I was kind of like, whatever. Right. Like, it's, it can't be that, you know, yeah, kind of a, a skepticism, really, until I went through it and was like, yeah, because that's, I tried. I tried still getting to eat the things that I wanted to, yeah. or that I it didn't even realize in some instances. Right. Um, and the medicine, it obviously, like, it didn't work. Right. You know, the proof was, I had the actual scopes and test results to show it. So, yeah, yeah the food is, is really the base of it. Um, and I know a lot of times people are like, okay, well, you had your parents, so you knew how much, starting, like, with the green beans right. is my example how much to grow for a year, but I didn't have that. So how do I figure out how to do this for my family? And so that's where the family garden plan comes in because I did have it for the green beans, but I didn't have it for all the other stuff because we weren't raising a year's worth of it. And my family, as it grew, because now I have two kids, my son is now a teenager. So all y'all who've raised teenage boys, you totally understand what I'm saying there. (laughs) They hit those teen years and they're eating a lot more. And so... I've even had to adjust, and I think that's important, too, for those who are listening who have been growing a garden for a long time, and maybe you have been growing a year's worth of different crops. We change. Our needs change, and the volume changes. Sometimes yes. it decreases. If you've you know, got kids, that obviously your son is out now, so you right. might not be needing to do as much. So what I do and what I outline in the book is I do a yearly practice. And I look at what we're eating and what I'm actually cooking with. And I'm fortunate enough I can go to my pantry shelf. And I usually do it about in December, January, because I know that I went through the halfway point for most things. Because the majority of my crops I'm really harvesting and starting to preserve comes July through August. Because I'm planting in May for the warm weather ones. Right. Perennials, which are some of my favorites. And cool weather crops are a different story. But right. when the, for the majority of people listening, you're, we think of that annual vegetable garden crop. So that's kind of what I'm referencing. Okay. And this time of year, I can look at the shelf and I can be like, okay, do I have enough to take me through another six months? I'm at that halfway point. And if I'm falling short, then I know I have to adjust my meal planning so I'm not using as many of those items or I'm going to be purchasing from the store, which I don't want to. But it also tells me to look at last year's records, if you have them, or what you planted last year, and be like, okay, I need to increase this because we're running short. Maybe I'm cooking more with it, or you know, we're just eating more as a family. Right. Um, and then in other areas, I can look at it, and for me, it's like jam and jelly. My kids aren't as little anymore. They don't eat nearly as many peanut butter and jelly sandwiches <laughs> they used to. I don't know what it is, but you know, with little kids, uh, as long as you have a nut allergy, that tends to be something that they a lot of well I served a lot of apparently but that's (laughs) not the case anymore so I have actually I had an overabundance of jam and jelly so I'm like I either need to figure out how to put this into other foods or I don't need to do as much of this next year Um, so I adjust that's how I adjust what I'm the crops that I'm going to be growing and putting in as well as what's going to grow easily in my growing area in my gardening zone like citrus here up north there's no I can't grow citrus we're too cool I can't do sweet potatoes I can't do okra so there's some of that is going to help you determine. But what I did is um, in the book is I created a chart based on my growing averages, other gardeners' averages, and then university studies or county extension office studies on the average amounts that each crop will put out. So all of your vegetables and your fruits, because I found when I was trying to find these items for myself that I could find quite a bit on your common vegetables, but when it came to 
like how much to put in fruits for per person for a year. That info was a little bit harder for me to come by. I had to really search and seek it out and do a, a lot of digging uh, to kind of find these averages. And then, like I said, base them upon our, my growing experience from 20 plus years and other gardeners. So that's what I did is I created this chart. So it's easy reference and I use it every year because like I said, I adjust what we're growing to what my family's needs are and what we're eating the most of. So it looks different um, a little bit every single year. It's different amounts and, and everything like that. So that's kind of the, the base of how I the premise, the very beginning of the book so that you know how much for your family. So it's all customized to what you and your family are growing. And there's worksheets that work you through that. And actually, you can get the worksheets for free um, on that in particular part of the book um, at thefamilygardenplan.com. My publisher was really gracious that I could give away those charts actually for free straight from the book. So to walk you through that process, because that's just the beginning process, but it really is important that you start there. I know it sounds simple, but it's silly to jump into it without having a plan. I shouldn't yes. say silly. That kind of wasn't quite the right word. But you're going to save yourself so much work, and you're going to actually have food in a form that your family is eating. Because I think all of us right. have been there. We get so excited about all of the garden seeds <laughs> and all at planting. Like you've got all your beds, you know, laid out, and the, the ground is just you know, ready for everything, and I get really excited, and I tend to overplant, and then I get overwhelmed, but it actually all starts to grow up, and I'm like, oh my goodness, what did I do? And <laughs> right. I don't use it all, or, you know, I don't have a, I grew, like, for too much lettuce or too many greens, and, like, greens are a great thing, but they don't preserve the best, and I know you can do powder, I mean, we can freeze our spinach, you can can kale, you can dehydrate greens and lettuce and put them into a, a green powder to add to things. Those aren't really making full meals. Um, and so I like to focus on the things that make up our meals first. Right. And then if I have extra time or extra space, add in those other smaller crops. Right. That's smart. That's real smart. And, uh, you know, you said about starting with the green beans. Green beans are my absolute, I think, favorite vegetable. That was something that we canned really heavily as a kid, too. But to be, to be able to lay things out and get the guidance um, you need, if you're someone that does not have a gardening or canning background, Melissa is definitely your go-to person. This book is just so well laid out and, and just so well planned. And, and I totally get what she was saying as far as having a plan. When you don't have a plan, and that's true in anything, not just in gardening, but when you don't have a plan, not always the best things occur. So it just makes it nice if you can, and I think you'll probably agree, for somebody that's just starting out in gardening to focus on maybe three to four or five plants or vegetables that they, the family truly loves and enjoys and focus on, on those to get them started. Yeah, exactly. In fact, I don't recommend on trying to grow a year's worth of all the things right. because you will be overwhelmed, honestly, and you're going to set it, the likelihood of you having failures and then being frustrated and not wanting to continue on with it is really high. Exactly. And for me, my goal, just like it is for myself, but also for anybody else, is for this to be a life 
long practice. I mean, my dad is 82 years old, and they are still raising their own beef, and he is still growing a year's worth of his own green beans. That's what I want for for everybody is for this to be something that you do lifelong. I hope my kids do it as well. Of course, once they're out on their own, you know, we'll see, but they have the foundation. So that's really my goal. So what I I walk you through in the book and, and I'll outline here is, my advice is when you're going through the foods that you're using to cook for your family and kind of figuring out, well, how much am I actually using of this of produce, the vegetables and fruit in reference for this book particular, not the livestock, um, how much you're using of those items for like a month. Now, if you do meal planning, then perfect. Just look at your meal plan and see how many cups of green beans am I using in a week's worth of food, you know, and then timesing that out by four. If you don't do meal planning, just track for a week or two what you're cooking with. Just write it down or look at your grocery receipt. If you're not growing these and you are buying them from the store, they have your grocery receipts and they'll show you the produce that you're actually using um, as you're cooking. And then you can just times that out for an average of what you would have per month and then times it by 12. That'll give you that the average that you would be using in a year if you're going to, you know, if you eat mainly the approximately the same things. But most of us, aside from a few special things, pretty much rely on a lot of the same base ingredients because it's what we like. And then you go through those, and I pick out the top crops. One, they have to be able to grow in my area. So even if I do love sweet potatoes, and maybe I do use sweet potatoes every week, I know they're not going to grow here. So that's not a crop that I'm going to focus on. And I walk you through in the book how how do you find out what your growing zone is if you don't know what crops will grow there. So I can through how to figure that out. But I would say pick your top two foods that your family is eating the most of because this is going to have the most impact on your health and your budget by growing that and that they like the most and then grow a year's worth of that now that doesn't mean in your garden that you can't grow any of these other other crops or do any of these other things but it just means that you're not going to try to grow an entire year's worth of them you're focusing on a year's worth of the two main crops and then you can put in the other stuff as I said, and that's what we've done for a number of years, um, and then each year just increase the amount of those until it is a year's worth of all of those main foods. You are at, you know, 60, you know, maybe 20% the first year, 30, 40, 50, and it, it just increased your way up on those percentages. Yeah, awesome. And what's really nice, too, is Melissa has it broken out in her book for all the vegetables that are out there, all the fruits that are out there. So as you progress and as you start adding things to your garden, you have everything you need right in front of you to continue adding the various vegetables and knowing what you need to add to your garden. So it's it's really, really awesome. And I have to jump back. You had me laughing when you said you're raising a teenage boy. Just so you know, sister, that's not going to change. That's going to like multiply in such big ways. I got, keeping my men fed. I mean, oh my goodness. It's a it, it's a difficult task. I I am amazed at what they eat and when we have guests, they look at my family's plates that are they come with this big heaping plate full and the person that's the guest has this little portion on their plate and then my guys go back and they fill it up. And it looks just the same as it did the first time around. I mean, my guys eat like hounds, but we are also really active. But it's just really funny. We always laugh and we always say, who came up with the portion size on things on most of your packaging? Because it's like it says one serving and they eat it and it's not even a snack, you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, so note to self, maybe increase a few of those. <laughs> 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 Uh, 
it's mainly, you know, it's the mountain man, mainly the meat. You know, you've got to have meat. And we were gifted with a thousand pounds, roughly a thousand pounds of potatoes this year. So we've got plenty of meat and potatoes this year because we all filled our tags our, for our hunting. We don't grow our meats like Melissa does. We actually hunt for our meat. Um, but either way, you're still getting really good grass-fed and organically fed animals. So it's it's a win-win and it's it's a real big blessing when you can either grow or harvest your meats. But but yeah, I I her book is just so amazing. I love it when you can have a resource that you can go to that will take you from the soup to the nuts and has everything in it. And Melissa thinks about every detail this is her passion the last interview she and i did we were talking about how we fill our pantries and what we had in our pantries and you know this is just that next step and that next stage in things is being able to fill your pantry with what you grow and she has really really outdone herself with this book her books are always fabulous but this i really really like her new the, the family garden plan and if you guys haven't and aren't familiar with her books you can go to treyerwilderness.com slash melissa k norris and it will take you to a page where all of her books are available and she did mention about these sheets being available um, on her familygardenplan.com. There are also a bunch of bonuses available when you purchase her book. Did you want to share the different bonuses that are available? Yeah, because we really just focused on the planning part, which I think, was, as I explained, was so important, especially when we're looking not just gardening, but it's growing a year's worth of food. Right. But there's so many other aspects that we get to dive into. And so the bonuses really help to cover some of those areas that, honestly, I didn't really start to tackle until I had been growing for over a decade. And it was some of the areas that I had, one, myself, I'm like, I need to understand how to use this in a backyard garden setting, but also in a way that is easy and doable for me. Right. And that was doing crop rotation and companion planting. And I love the idea of companion planting, but it felt really overwhelming. I'm like, I don't really know how to make this work when I first started looking at it and, and kind of you know hearing people talk about it and understanding like, well, what, what exactly are they talking about? So the bonuses, um, which we, I do cover in depth in the book, and there's some great charts um, that I use for my own reference even now, but I made some videos for crop rotation and companion planting, and then I've got a Seed Saving 101 video with an ebook package, and then we actually ran out of room in the book to do <laughs> this very detailed organic soil amendment guide but I wanted to make sure that people got it. So when you're flipping through your copy of the book, you'll actually see when we're talking about soil amendment and building up your soil and composting that I've got, I've referenced, go to the book website and get this organic soil amendment guide, but it's 19 pages and it goes through your major macro and micronutrients that are in your soil or should be in your soil that build up our soil that our plants really need. And it tells you how to visually see if a, a level is too high or too low because it's kind of like Goldilocks and the three bears. We want it right in the middle and some levels if they're too high are damaging to plants as well as if they're too low. So it kind of tells you if you haven't done a soil test, which a soil test will tell you definitively like, boom, here's what your level is and here's what's off. But sometimes there can be signs where our plants are struggling or they're doing certain things 
and you'll be able to look at this guide and be like, oh, my plants were doing this. And so it will pinpoint for you, this is the level that's off, and this is some organic waste that you can either lower it um, if it's too high or obviously if it's too low, bring it up and kind of get it in that optimal spot. So, and that's what I really needed because when I was doing all of this and growing and, and doing more and more, I, you know, you're naturally with gardening, it's not always going to go perfect. You're going to have weather you can't control. We could do things as best we can. Um, but you're going to run into things. There's going to be issues that crop up. And I wanted to only be able to, to deal with them using a natural and organic method. And a lot of things, even still on the market today, or when you're looking up research-wise, we do have a lot more organic than we ever did in, in the past, I feel. But a lot of the things I would find it on my first kind of initial run-through were using items or using things that I didn't feel comfortable with putting on my soil and on my fruits and my vegetables. And so I, I needed this information for myself. I wanted all the organic resources there. Right. <laughs> um, and so I... I honestly, I created the book for myself, but I really want to share it with other people. <laughs> and so, that's anyway, funny. So those, along with that planting a year's worth of food chart and worksheet, those are all of the bonuses that you get when you get the book. And so you can order it anywhere. Tammy will have links, as she mentioned. But after that, you want to go to familygardenplan.com, click on the button that says claim my bonuses, and then you just pop in your name, email, and your receipt number, and then you get access to all of those additional resources. Awesome. And that is just so huge. And that is funny. I created my cookbook for the same reason. So we had all my recipes in one place. So I totally get that. But it's just, it's, it's fun to have something at your fingertips that you don't have to waste time looking in all different places and to just have it all right in front of you. And one thing you said made me kind of chuckle this morning. I was reading Ecclesiastes and it is in Ecclesiastes 11. It's four. 11.4, it says, farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. So in other words, like she said, stuff happens and you just got to be willing to keep going and keep, I mean, for both Melissa and I, I know it's true for her as well, that stuff happens and you learn to roll with it. You learn from it because we're either going to make mistakes in life or just have mishaps. And regardless, those are great stepping stones for us to learn and progress. And that's what enables us to keep going and make this a lifelong thing. And I thought that was really awesome that she mentioned that, that her goal is for this to be something that people continue to grow on and improve on and utilize for a long time. And it's important because we need to know how to grow our own food. Not only is food our nutrition, but something I've learned greatly through my journey is that food is medicine too. You know, we think that just um, medicine is your natural herbs and, and things, but things such as raspberries and, and kale and uh, avocados, these type of things are actually nourishment and, and nurture our bodies and help our bodies to heal. And those are just a few examples. I mean, what we put into our body is is not only nourishment, but, but has so many healing properties to it. And to be able to have the skills to know how to grow what we need and to be able to, you know, continue that process. One of the things that I carry in my, in my big pack is heirloom seeds because if we'd ever end up in a survival situation that required us to be in a long-term situation 
I want to be able to eat well. So I carry it. Seed packets are light and it's something we know how to do. And when you have heirloom seeds, you can save the seeds. So as you can see, our mind really wraps around the importance of good nourishing food and being able to grow our own things just like Melissa does. And it's it's just such a valuable skill and you said about you know your kids and I thought that was kind of funny because I'm watching my son now that he's out on his own and it, it just all comes down to growing them up and teaching them what they need to know and when they move on they will know it and it's it's it is really true I'm watching my son flourish and it's really cool to see you know how we play a, a role in that they may walk away from things for a while and try to experience the world but their roots are going to be right back where you started them yeah i think so because even i like i said i walked away a little bit yep um me too you know and would right i did and, and that yep. was why i had the health problems i did later i didn't obviously know it at the time but then you know came back full force it and then even more so yes yeah thank you and and that's what I try to remind myself too with the children is you know we want gosh do we want the best for our kids and a lot of times I wish I could make their decisions for them (laughs) right 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 we can't no yeah did we just do the best the best we can and and hope that they return to it and I think oftentimes they do even if it takes them a while absolutely well it's funny because you said you walked away and then you came back even more so into it and it's I had walked away and became a programmer and was in the big city working my job and I didn't want to have anything to do with the farm and now I'm on my homestead and I could be here three weeks and be perfectly content and not have to go anywhere and like it'll get to the point where my husband's like well we should probably go out we need dog food do we really have to (laughs) I don't want to go anywhere so it you know it it does I think that our children more than anything not only learn from us but learn from watching us and seeing what we're doing and seeing what we're instilling in them and I don't remember if it was you that I that said it but one of my friends had a child that would just go out and start weeding the garden randomly without being asked didn't your kids do that when they were younger oh not my son my okay my daughter will go out. Okay. Normally, now she's a little bit older, and so I do, you know, there's bribery involved. I'm like, if you want to do X, Y, Z, then you got to go do this amount of weeding. Right, right. <laughs> so, unfortunately, yeah, that didn't last so much, but, you know, then they go out, and then the funny thing is, is usually once they're out there, especially if I'm out there with them, even now, them being older, but if we're out there together, and, and when my husband's home from work, and it's all four of us in the garden... Then we end up staying out there a lot longer, and you have conversations. Yeah. Like, you know, and it, it's once we're out there and they're going, then they're kind of in it, and it goes well. But sometimes it's that, you know, we all have that procrastination thing. It's just right. getting them out there and doing it. Right. And then once they're immersed, we're pretty good. Right. Yeah. Right, exactly. And and it really is good for them. They will gain so much. And like you just said, the conversations that come from it, that has been some of the most wholesome conversations I've had with my son is either when we're out walking or when we were in the garden. So, you know, it, it keeps them away from their electronics and lets them use their brains and, and they, you know, communicate. I don't know. I've always found that to be some of the deepest and most rewarding times was in my garden. So... 
I, I think that we're all doing our children a justice by getting them out in there, even if we do need to finagle and bribe. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Bribery is fine. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. But, girl, you talked yourself. This book is amazing, and I am just excited to see all the people that will be gaining from your knowledge and, and the time you put together and your passion for what you do. And, you know, something else I want to mention so that we don't forget to mention it is um, Melissa also does um, Pioneering Today podcasts, which you can find on iTunes and the different uh, podcast apps. And um, she also does the Pioneering Today Academy, which you can find by going to treyerwilderness.com slash pioneeringtodayacademy. And she doesn't currently have the doors open for that right now, but you can get on her waiting list and I highly recommend it. I have participated in some of her classes. The knowledge and information that Melissa shares and her ease of sharing, it's very easy to learn from Melissa if you couldn't tell that by just listening to her today. But she will be opening the doors again in the new year, so if you get on her waiting list, you will be the first to know. And um, that way you'll also be updated on anything else that she has going on. And uh, I highly recommend her books. Her books are just fabulous. She, she writes like she talks. In other words, you get drawn into it. It's not just about gardening. There's more behind it. There's, you can just feel her passions. Same with her the Made From Scratch Life and Handmade. They're just they're just a very enjoyable books to read, and you gain so much from them. So I highly recommend Melissa's materials. Um, she and I had been stalking each other for years before we actually met each other. We were just uh, admiring each other's materials and, and learning from one another, and then we connected. So um, she's got so much to offer, and I highly recommend her. And her website is melissaknorris.com also. Uh, her blog has so many good family recipes. I love her grandmother's uh, flaky pie crust, and she also makes it's the red beet chocolate cake, right? I know that has a different name, though. It, it does, but yeah, no, that chocolate beet cake, man. I've got beets out in the garden calling my name. That might just be happening this weekend now that you brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> I might be making that for our holidays. So that is such a great recipe, but she has such fabulous recipes on her website so you can gain a lot there too I always go after my family's heart through their belly whether it's through my gardening or through my cooking and many of Melissa's recipes are in my are in my uh, recipe box so <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> but do you have anything else you would like to share with our audience or is there any last words you would like to um, give as encouragement yeah, you know, like I said, really it is just to do, just to move forward. Don't become overwhelmed. I know a lot of times, especially if you're listening to this and you're in the midst of dealing with a big health issue or right. dealing with just some heavy, heavy things. It doesn't always have to be health. Yeah. There's obviously other aspects of our life. Right. But just like, you know, when, when Tammy started and, and the same thing when I said like I was going through all of that, it felt very overwhelming sure. and I felt very discouraged um yep. when you know and it's easy to do I feel yep. even in especially in the, the winter months 
you know, there's the there's less daylight. We're not being able to get outside as much. There's just all the different things, and sometimes the holidays can be a really hard thing for certain people, especially if you you know had lost or there's relationship issues or whatnot. Right. So really, it's just to have to have hope, yep. and just to focus on doing the the one next thing that you can do. Yep. So I know we've been talking uh, obviously a lot about gardening, and I think that's my biggest thing. I don't want anybody to feel overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, which is why I wrote the book is to break it out into a game plan and take you step by step on how to do it. Yeah. But whatever you're going through, find the next step and only focus on that and just take that, that one next step. Don't look at everything because you will feel overwhelmed, but just focus on the one thing yeah. that you can do right now and take that step and do that and then just keeping doing the very next thing, the very next step. But just to keep going and to have hope because it does get better. Tammy and I are living proof of that. It gets better, I yep. promise you. So yes. that's just for anybody who's going through a hard time. Know it's going to get better. Take the next step. That is fabulous, fabulous advice. And it is. It can be very overwhelming at times. One of the greatest gifts I was given is when I got sick and I was flat on my back is that God instilled in me that I was right where he wanted me to be and that I needed to take comfort in being flat on my back even though I was an extreme go-getter and it was very difficult for me to be in that place. I suddenly had great peace and comfort of just being where God needed me to be for him to use me. So those are such great words and you know while you were saying that I couldn't help but think of this. With the family garden plan and the fact that Melissa is designing and has designed this book to be a um, no-pressure kind of book and that she doesn't want you to get in a place of anxiety and overwhelm, this is a great book to use over the holidays and through the gray months to sit and come up with a plan. And um, I enjoy doing that. That is what I enjoy doing through the gray months. I struggle. I'm a sunshine girl. I've told you guys that a million times. I'm more solar powered than my house. So when it gets gray, I am. When I when I get when it gets gray, I get, I struggle. So I like to plan my garden, and I like to do my crafts like knitting and leather work and different things like that. But it's a great time of year because there isn't a lot of pressure like when it you don't want to be planting your garden when you're in in the midst of it if you can plan it ahead of time it makes it so much nicer and i think i'm that's what i'm going to be doing i don't know if i'll be planting in a garden this year or not yet it just depends how things go but man am i jonesing to be in my garden there's nothing better than being out there barefoot and just the smells of things and things growing and taste testing what's on the vine. I love it. <laughs> oh, same, same here. I start to yearn for the garden. I know. Um, about, yeah, January, I'm like, okay, bring it on. <laughs> well, and we haven't had our garden for the last three years because of me being sick. And this year would have been one that I could have done it. But because the house was for sale, I didn't want to waste my seeds if we would be moving. Granted, it would entice maybe somebody else who would be coming on but my garden is overgrown and really weedy looking right now my beds are all covered and they're maturing and the ground and the soil is really nice but around it everything is pretty weedy and it's been bugging me all year so I am thinking that as I go through the holidays and have time to be outside even though it's cold 
I can get that all cleaned up so when spring comes along it looks really nice and it's very enticing. Whether it's for me or somebody else, it doesn't matter, but it'll make me feel better. <laughs> oh, definitely, yes. Yes. The garden is, I always say my garden is food for the soul and yeah. the body. I agree. I agree. There is just something about being out there. It just totally renewed me every morning. I just thoroughly enjoyed that. I'd go out, I'd grab a, a leaf from my stevia plant, a leaf from my uh, spearmint tea, and a leaf of cilantro, and I would just chew on it while I was going through my garden checking on things, and it was like drinking this it felt like I was drinking this amazing tea. That was my morning routine, and I'd take my my tea or my coffee out there with me and spend a couple hours doing things in the garden. And oh gosh, it's just talk about a renewal and a regrouping. Oh, it's just so refreshing. <laughs> Definitely, yes. Well, Melissa, this has been an absolute privilege to have you on here. I I have missed your company. This was so much fun, and I know my audience will just love this interview and and spending time with you as well so i just want to thank you and wish you and your family a very merry christmas and oh same to you merry <laughs> christmas you guys i know i miss you too we need to do this more often i know i know and not wait till your next book although that's probably going to be really fast but <laughs> <laughs> but yes because we we both do so much, and there's so much more we can share. Um, this time frame is just not enough for Melissa and I, so we'll have to do this again very soon. <laughs> yes, we will. I'll have to have you over on the Pioneering Today podcast. We'll have a catch-up episode over there as well. Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be very awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you again for joining me. Have a very Merry Christmas, you as well as everyone else out there, and God bless everyone. You're listening to the Mountain Woman Radio Show, where you will learn something new every week. We hope you enjoyed the show and encourage you to join us at TreyerWilderness.com. And be sure to connect with us on iTunes. Remember, your reviews on iTunes are very important to us and help us reach more people just like you. 